0: So I am here with the one and only Austin James. Hey hey. Jordan is working and I have you all to myself. So thank you for coming and uh being on the podcast with me.
1: Oh, thank you for having me on. Um uh, I mean I'm free, I'm sad my favorite host isn't around, but Kiss my ass. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, he was very sad, but he has to work.
0: So and I, I, like I I get it uh 100%. And he has not seen the movie we're gonna discuss, and i'm I don't really know what to tell him, like haven't gone to him and been like, "Hey, this is how I feel. I guess we'll just find out when he hears this." Although, I truly don't know how I feel, to be honest. Okay, so we're talking about the movie called Schizopolis, right? That's how you pronounce it,
1: right? Uh, Yes, 100, yeah. Schizopolis from 1996, I think.
0: Yeah, very early Steven Soderbergh. So what'd you think? So you told me to let it wash (laughs) over me, think of it, what did you say? Think of it like like a cartoon? Yeah. It, It did feel cartoony in parts. I was very confused
1: about a lot of it, but I laughed a lot. I thought it was very funny. Well, I can tell you after watching this movie dozens of times, that's about where, that's about as far as I've gotten into it. So. Oh, um, <laughs> Yeah. I'm glad
0: we're on the same page.
1: Yeah, there's definitely a lot of uh, weird, just kind of like dream logic or just like just very cartoony things that are all happening just because he can and it kind of works in the moment okay so I guess
0: this is this is like your last warning I'm going to say things that maybe you wouldn't want to know if you hadn't seen this so I mean it's interesting at least I would I do recommend that people watch this movie and just listen to what we say. About it, but I'm about to spoil something. It took me a minute to realize that he had changed characters. Like in the middle of the movie, we have a character changing into a different... Like, the main character just is now a different person.
1: Yeah, that's definitely a moment... I've shown this movie to a lot of people, and that's definitely always kind of one moment that definitely loses a big swath of people who are just like, now I have no idea what's happening whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, it really is kind of like...
0: When you find that out, it's like, is that right? Like, am I correct in that? (laughs) At that point, I was like, oh, I must have missed something. And I had to go on... Wikipedia and verify what I had just seen. And like, if if I was getting it
1: right, you know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, Steven Soderbergh, who's never acted before or since really plays uh, three roles in this movie, including him himself, presumably, as the director who introduces the movie.
0: I loved that. That that was yeah. <laughs>
1: very, very, very cool.
0: So I've, I've seen that kind of like done before on older movies. I mean, I get it was like played for sort of like a parody on that kind of practice that happened back in the day. But I think that we should do that more often because it's nice seeing the director talk about the movie.
1: Well, I'll say for the movie that I just made that you haven't seen yet, I almost I just shamelessly ripped off the opening and closing of Schizopolis. So I, I introduce and close the movie. At one point my voice drops out and I start speaking Italian. Oh my um, god. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so so uh yeah, Schizopolis has been a, a, a huge uh, influence, even while I have no real idea of what's happening or what's going on. That makes me very happy.
0: And I do want to <laughs> get to your movie because this thing is like taken off and I'm really excited to actually see it. The trailer for that movie gives me vibes from this movie about just about how probably confused I'll be. <laughs> to a degree yeah. you you definitely told me it's weird right so uh, why don't we talk a little bit about that uh sure
1: yeah it's called uh big milk big milk oh, love it It's called big milk and uh yeah it's just it's kind of like a david lynch like bugs bunny cartoon basically and yeah operates a lot like this movie lots of bizarre things happening but it's a movie about a guy who gets a package in the mail for a wrong address or for a different address than his. And when he goes to return the package, he sees just somebody at their house doing a bunch of really weird, kind of suspect stuff. Uh huh. And then our lead character just becomes very fascinated and starts kind of, uh, spying on him and kind of becomes like a detective movie about what this guy is up to. Oh I love it. that's awesome. See, yeah. <laughs> I've
0: never even gotten that much of an explanation. It's always just like it's this really weird thing. So first off, this movie, uh you got
1: nominated for Best Picture
0: at the IFS LA Film Festival.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was really cool. That was like the first time I've ever like been able to see anything I've made like on the big screen or anything like that. So yeah, that was really awesome, and then... uh Fantastic. Yeah, we'll see. It's out for submission to, like, 10 or 11 more till next January, so we'll see how many we get into. Fingers crossed. Very, very cool, which means, like, I understand you might have, like, a specific
0: time that you want to release this to the public, but I want to see this fucking movie.
1: Yeah, I'll send you a link. Don't worry. A double feature with Schizopolis would kind of be the perfect mind-melding double feature so love that i can send it to you uh when we're done with talk please today. do yes i i'm very excited
0: when it comes to directing a movie like that where do you start because i i read that steven soderbergh on
1: schizopolis like didn't have a script He was just sort of like written on the day or improvised yeah he went back to his hometown Um, which in this case was Baton Rouge. And I believe self-funded this movie for about nine months and just directed things on a whim. And yeah, for Big Milk, I did the exact same thing. I wasn't conscious of that until right when I was realizing that (laughs) at the moment. But yeah, um, yeah, I just went to my hometown for five weeks and then just asked all my friends for favors for my self-funded movie. That's awesome. So yeah, the way it starts is... uh, I mean also like him we didn't really have a script we just had an outline and I just knew my friends that would be willing to be in it and then just kind of figure it out when we got there um so yeah sub subconsciously I I just did exactly what uh what he did for this movie so gotcha. I mean, it's a good person to
0: channel I mean <laughs> like yeah. if that's what you're going for because like th- that movie is very unhinged and Big Milk looks very unhinged from the trailer. So you guys know that I'm an editor. And I think a lot about, you know, when people like improvise and stuff, just like how much of that the editor must have to be sifting through. And so I don't, I'm sure it was a lot when it comes to Schizopolis. But like, do you have like a number? Do you know how many uh, hours of footage that you had for Big Milk?
1: Well... For Big Milk particularly, so I guess the other main thing about Big Milk, probably more important than the plot or like who's in it or anything like that, is um we made a really insane decision to edit it in camera. So the way oh, we made shit. this... You told me that. Okay, sorry. Keep yeah. going.
0: Yeah, you're right. No,
1: yeah. So, so the way we had we made this move. So I made that decision right away and so the way we had to do it was I would call action and then that's when we would actually start hitting record yeah. like, you know, into the shot and then instead of calling cut, we would just cut myself and then, you know, we would announce it after and then me and the DP Steven, we just had the time out the next shot so that it ends perfectly. the other one ends so we would film a take and if we liked it we were like cool that's the one and if we didn't like it we would delete it right away redo it until we had one that we liked and then just move on to literally the same the next moment in the movie so this was shot, like, linearly. So it's all shot linearly, um, and so we announced the rules right at the beginning of the film. So everything shot linearly. Uh, we used everything in the movie is edited like you would be able to do in camera. So I was allowed to delete shots, but I would just have to delete the whole clip just, like, in camera. Gotcha. So then, so then the previous shot would just cut into whatever was after the one that I deleted, and there would just be a new cut there. So we didn't – there was probably like eight minutes that we actually cut out of the final product, which is about 66 minutes long. Super weird length, but uh, it works for the movie. I mean, that just feels like
0: like a nightmare on your end, but like an editor's dream. Yeah. Like, oh, this Um, is – this is already
1: put together. Yeah, so the editing that I did do and again, this is all announced like right at the front of the movie is, you know, of course like sound editing and color and all of that and then I did allow myself to ramp up or down the speed of footage at the end to uh make the smoothest cut possible. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. But I will say in the end, I think if we didn't have the announcement at the beginning of the movie kind of explaining what was happening, I don't think you would consciously know like why Big Milk like felt a little weird and how it moved. But yeah, after you realize it, I think it it makes sense. But I think you could watch it and just be like, oh, this is a normal movie that just made some weird decisions. Gotcha. So, it actually it actually came out like a way less glitchy and like jittery than I was expecting. Oh, good. So, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um It looks really good. What kind of camera did you shoot that on? Uh so that was shot on a Red weapon, which luckily my DP best friend just happens to own. So, I get to use that. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Again, I've only seen the
0: trailer, but it's very pretty. I'm I'm so excited to see this damn thing. Thank
1: you. That's awesome. Uh, but yeah, I will also say though, um, in response to your original question about that at all, is the reason that we made the decision to edit it in camera and do do all of this, you know, weird stuff, is because I actually shot a movie between Big Milk and Who's With Me uh-huh. that I'm still editing. Um, I shot it in Tennessee. And that I shot 30 hours of footage that I'm still sifting through and molding together three years later. So Oh,
0: I think I know what that one is. Okay, okay,
1: yeah. So I decided to do something the complete opposite of that process, something that was really just, you know, was going to be able to get done really quick. And just, yeah, the exact opposite of sifting through 30 hours of footage, just, you know, cutting down the you know, 80 minutes of footage that we cut and just doing it that way.
0: I love that. That's like, when you have 30 hours of footage, I've been there, that is super daunting. And to just be like, I know what I want. And this is what I'm going to get on the day that uh, that's just a really cool experiment. I'm okay. So would you ever do something like that again?
1: Yeah, I do both again, probably. Yeah, like I said, I mean, in camera would be like, it'd have to be the right project, because that seems so gimmicky to me that like you know that kind of works as a one and done probably gotcha. unless we did like Big Milk 2 maybe and it's... oh no um yeah exactly but uh yeah the shooting tons of footage thing I would definitely do again because uh yeah that really helped with that project because besides myself nobody involved had really done film before so It just really helped to keep things loose and just keep the camera constantly rolling to capture these, like, you know, great little nuggets of moments. So,
0: yeah. I mean, it's great now. I mean, I I can't imagine. Well, I mean, I guess some people still use film. But I can't imagine back when, you know, the role was finite and you were screwed if you took too many takes. takes, You know what I mean? Whereas, like, now with digital, it's just as much as you can fit on your memory cards yeah, exactly i love that you're able to play around a lot more i think which is really exciting
1: 100 or you shoot a movie in camera and limit yourself to the most <laughs> insane uh extremes but either way you have
0: always impressed me just by like the the experimentation that you do with your filmmaking I've i've always loved that And I think that this movie, I mean, I understand that you definitely took inspiration from it, but this movie really is like a, not only just a movie that fits good with big milk, but just like with what I know your taste in movies is like you have talked to me about some movies that I had never heard of and never would have heard of. I love that you have such like a quirky taste when it comes to that kind of stuff. Like when, uh, you were on last time you gave us movies to watch. Okay. Now this time, I know that I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, but like you have anything that's maybe out now or coming out this year that you're excited for that feels just very Austin.
1: Yeah. Um. I mean, a movie that is already out, but it came out this year Um. and I saw it in theaters and I almost couldn't believe that I was seeing it in theaters because it was so experimental and strange and tiny was um have you heard of Skinamarink, or have i talked to you about it at all i have heard of that yeah i think we i think we have talked about that it's like a it's like a scary movie it's it's a horror film um it's not like overly scary but what's interesting is it's like it's about two kids i believe there's seven and four six and four something like that who get stuck inside their house and their parents are gone. And then like all the doors and windows of the house start to go away. And it's just these kids stuck in this house. But the way it's filmed is like, it's not quite from their POV because you see their outlines and stuff, but like the camera will just concentrate on like the corner of a room for a second. And then like the leg of a table and then like the toy and lots of the dialogue is happening off camera or like behind the shot. Yeah. So it's all done in kind of like shot from a little kid's POV kind of from like within this haunted house. That's wild. And yeah, the particular theater I saw that was universal city walk in LA, which is like one of the big giant, like it's like the biggest AMC it's huge. It's such like, you know, every marvel movie all this stuff and it was playing there and That's awesome. and the first scene happens and then once the second scene started and i realized that oh this is just the style of the movie like the first scene isn't just shot that way i was like <laughs> i was like this is going to be a really wild experience, and I think probably about twenty people of the sold out crowd walked out because it it is pretty audience unfriendly and experimental and wild and art house as much as like yeah it's like the art houseiest horror film of all time. But uh, that is so cool. But it was, but yeah, the people who stuck with it uh seem to have like a pretty good time or at least like appreciate it. But yeah, it was just wild to see it in that kind of a. Uh, Mainstream sure. mainstream setting, so, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was one of my favorite times in theaters this year for sure so. <laughs>
0: well, good, good deal, good deal. I definitely want to check that out. Do you know like if it's is it still in theaters or is it like on streaming now? Yeah,
1: I d- doubt it's in theaters still, but I think it's a shutter movie, so oh, okay, it's, okay, it's, it's around,
0: gotcha, good deal, well, definitely check that out too, guys, cause that sounds awesome, I mean. <laughs> These movies could very well not be for you, the listeners. Like, who knows? hundred percent? But I don't know. I think it's just something about big swings that just interest me, and clearly you too. Uh, yeah,
1: um, especially right now. Just anything that's like in contrast. Not that, like, you know, I really like big movies. Like, for example, I just watched Creed three and like loved it so I'm not against like studio movies or anything but when you find somebody who's able to do something in such contrast to that and just you know seeing them figure out like how they're gonna make this cheap little indie movie like stick out so you know they have to have either like a really inventive idea on how to do it or just like it strikes a particularly like cool vibe or what have you so yeah I think the cream rises to the top when it comes to really weird stuff that you can see in theaters just because it has to make it in theaters to begin with so you're seeing like the the best of the best so yeah big fan of all the all yeah. the weird stuff even the ones that you know don't make it the to theaters too that's fine hell yeah
0: <laughs> hell yeah okay so back to schizopolis real quick we can talk about whatever i don't care but um as far as schizopolis i was hoping maybe you could help me make sense of a couple of things sure let's try Okay, so the first thing that I wanted to ask you about was the guy who seems like he was like an exterminator at first. Yes. And he just goes in and starts talking literal gibberish to these ladies (laughs) Mm -hmm. and seems like he's just having sex with them all. But then somebody off screen was like, hey, uh, we have a different role for you or something. Yeah. And then suddenly he's just attacking people. (laughs)
1: so i need help um yeah so i mean in terms of the language and like nose army and all that stuff nose army um, yeah nose army yeah i mean i have no sense to make of that except i will say like one of the big reoccurring themes of the movie in general is communication or you know so it seems yeah,
0: that does make a lot of sense because there are like several of those sort of communication breakdown issues in the movie. Yeah,
1: like we we see a, a married couple whose marriage is kind of dissolving and all they can really say to each other is like generic greeting and generic greeting returned. And it's like I laughed my ass um yeah that's like it's such a good uh like leave it to beaver uh, moment there but yeah so there's several characters who seem to either speak their own language or are stuck in this kind of weird communication with somebody else so for example like the husband in that relationship talks normal to everybody else and then it's just his wife where he he has this weird weird just back and forth kind of mental block with her and then obviously the last third of the movie takes a pretty wild turn when things just start getting dubbed in different languages and um at that point i was like looking for (laughs) subtitles because i was like oh no
0: (laughs) i don't speak this
1: language And you kind of see scenes from slightly different perspectives of different characters. And then it's overdubbed in either like Japanese or Italian or, you know, what have you. So when it comes to Elmo in particular and his nose army and all of that stuff, um, you know, I think it's maybe just another it's the language of. Cause it's also weird that they just start making a movie about them or a TV show or whatever it is. Yeah. Like that just burst out of nowhere. That just <laughs> like people literally just come bursting from the frames. They're like, we want to make a TV show about it. <laughs> it's just like so <laughs> odd. And then you, you're kind of wondering like, are you watching now like Schizopolis getting made or are you now just watching? Like, is this now just a story about a reality TV show or something or some kind of like jackass yeah. show? Um, but again, it's just one of those, I mean, most of Schizopolis is just, it's these bizarro moments that just happen. And then we kind of go down that road for, <laughs> you know, the next 45 seconds or whatever until he gets a new idea and we're on to something else. I, I really think the
0: advice that you gave me of just letting it wash over me is, a, <laughs> is a great. It's, it's about the extent of what I think a lot of people are going to be able to do with this movie because it is definitely... Uh, confusing experience but it it still made me laugh consistently through like even though Steven Soderbergh you said hasn't really acted since I actually liked him I thought he was like a, a very funny
1: character but both of them yeah I thought he was hilarious his part at the beginning and the end is gold yeah I think his performance is very like Three Stooges, like Charlie Chaplin esque almost. It's um like obviously it's not a silent performance, but lots of it really is silent, and he's just got a f- funny like he just makes really funny faces and yes. just like um yeah, again just does. like bugs like Bugs Bunny or like you know any <laughs> of these things that he took inspiration in. I'm sure. I do know. I was reading up a little bit, and he said the main reason he took these roles was because. He made this movie for nine months with no money and he said he couldn't with a good conscience, like ask somebody to act for free for nine months uh, at just like his whim. So he said he kind of did it out of necessity. So, um, well, it worked out. It turned out like
0: I think he did a great job. And speaking of actors that I think did a great job, I wanted to tell you this, I thought this was really cool. Years ago, before I even knew who Steven Soderbergh was, my aunt told me about a friend of hers named Betsy that lives around where she lives and that they've been friends for a while and that she used to be married to Steven Soderbergh. And I had no idea who that was. And then when I found out who Steven Soderbergh was, I was like, oh, that's really, really cool. And I'm watching this movie and I'm like, oh, my God, I recognize that lady. And that's that's my aunt's friend. That's Betsy Brantley. And like (laughs) that was so cool to see her because I'd never actually like met her before. But I've heard lots of stories about her and she seems like really awesome. And I love that even though like they were married, I think, from like 89 to 94 or something. This movie takes place in 96. So they had already divorced. And she was still in this movie with him. I like that.
1: Yeah, she she is fantastic. Yeah, tell your aunt to say uh, great job. She, she's amazing in it. I will for sure. I
0: texted my aunt last night. I was like, look at what I'm watching.
1: <laughs> she's like, is that Betsy? It's like, yeah. Um, it's really cool. That, that's hilarious. Yeah, she's she's really great in it as the character who's divorcing Steven Soderbergh in the movie and yeah I mean just the uh the cool quoting on both of them to be able to just go and you know make a movie together after divorce and then make it about divorce Absolutely. and then make it about them being yeah. together you know <laughs> make them be the characters that are getting divorced is they're like cheating on each other with each other
0: yeah like what a clever this movie is so clever that like part of me deep down wishes I understood it you know what I mean because I'm sure that there's more that I'm not seeing but like at at face value with like a little bit of digging I am very interested in it it's not for everybody but I actually really liked it
1: well that's good yeah I think it's it's wild that it's like on the criterion collection and stuff like that like I've never really heard anyone talk about it besides me and like exactly same but yeah the 25 people i've like forced it on and (laughs) you know it's never really i mean it must have enough of a following that of course like you know this really prestigious company put it out and all that but uh yeah it seems to have never really gained its like Cult following that I think it should have by now for sure. And, uh,
0: well, especially with, you know, Steven Soderbergh going on and being this phenomenon. I mean, he's like a, a very successful director and has continued to like experiment and and do really cool stuff. Yeah, you know? 100%. Um,
1: yeah, I don't know why it's so lost to, to history. It should definitely, uh, have a comeback. It deserves it. It's so crazy
0: yeah i you can definitely tell that this guy is chops and obviously i mean we know he has chops now because he's steven soderbergh
1: yeah and you know i don't mind uh i don't mind being really really confused by a movie or not really you know get it necessarily if it's a movie like this that's so light-hearted and like funny and just like it's yeah. so light and it doesn't have that kind of usual art house, like, you know, seriousness to it. it. It really is just seems like a big cartoon that he decided to make. And so it helps. Exactly,
0: There are movies that can make you feel bad about yourself because you don't understand them. Whereas like, this was just like, this is just crazy. So <laughs> I'm just enjoying the ride. Yeah. Oh my just, gosh.
1: It's a, it's a personal
0: fever dream. Exactly. Speaking of enjoyment, I cannot tell you. I the lady that comes in and just does the like the news clips that was so fucking funny like I yeah, laughed she, my
1: ass off every time I saw her I was like yes yeah she definitely has my two biggest laughs of the movie what Um or well it's well Rhode Island might be my favorite the just the Rhode <laughs> Island um thing in general uh, that is, great. is so funny and although I mean she's only in the she only introduces this other one but. The I think my biggest laugh is about the racehorses, the press meeting about racehorses not urinating more than regular horses. And yeah, yeah, that really, (laughs) the first time I saw this movie, that Muma in particular really stood out as the most like, what the fuck is this movie? Like, it's already like going everywhere, but like you can see the kind of little connective tissues and then that scene happens and it's just like, okay that's just purely (laughs) out of nowhere um and the movie is just singularly uh unpredictable i'd say very much so very much so now as far as
0: like other steven soderbergh movies that you can recommend to people if people are not familiar with i mean like i feel like a lot of people are but some people aren't you know what i mean he's like, he's got some movies that aren't yeah. as mainstream or, as they should be.
1: Or even if you're familiar with his big mainstream movies, you might not know his name. Because exactly. he's not really, like, a flashy, out-there kind of director. Exactly. But, I mean, like, the, the big ones are probably, you know, Traffic. He won the Best Directing Oscar for that movie. And that's one of the few very oscar movies that really still rules at least in (laughs) my opinion so that movie is just like really cool um if people like the wire that's what i compare it to all the time it's kind of like if the wire was a two-hour tv show instead of like a 80-hour you know epic oh gosh okay okay Um, cool so that one's really good um as far as like small really weird ones um i mean this is my favorite Soderbergh movie in general, and also probably is most bizarre, obviously. But some really weird small ones would be... uh, There's this movie called Bubble that he made um, that all takes place in a doll factory.
0: Oh, my God. It's
1: like a love triangle that then becomes a murder mystery. But it's about a 70-minute movie, I want to say, maybe 80. But he made it after oceans 13 and i think the the budget to oceans 13 was something like 127 million dollars and then his next movie bubble he made for five (laughs) thousand (laughs) dollars so um so if you want to see him get really resourceful and as small as possible that's probably actually his cheapest movie um, I mean, he's never lost his, like, indie spirit, which is really
0: cool. No, not at all. I think my favorite movie I've ever seen of his, and I haven't seen them all by by a long shot, but Unsane. I love saying, that
1: movie. Yeah, I mean, I'll also just say I, I adore almost everything he's done. Even some of the ones I like less, there's really interesting stuff going on but i mostly love all of them yes yeah. awesome. unsane is unsane is fantastic unsane was shot that was shot like on an iphone or something right shot on an iphone he's made two movies on iphones now he was the first director to ever use a red camera he's super adaptive he really likes messing with new technology but also doesn't for me doesn't get lost in it like you know there's obviously people like james cameron or the wachowskis who like you know it almost seems like the technology is the point of the movies, whereas yeah. Soderbergh just is kind of making the same small type, either like thrillers or heist movies are like two of his favorite genres. But, and he just uses technology and just kind of interesting, small little ways to adapt it to his stories rather than the other way around. And that way he's able
0: to, I think, take more risks and do you know some maybe more interesting things than maybe like a a studio that was giving him 127 million dollars to make a movie would let him you know what I mean yeah, whereas like if 100%. you make a five thousand dollar movie
1: that's gonna be your vision for yeah, sure you can, you can do absolutely anything you want when you yeah you know just won a best directing oscar and are making a five thousand dollar (laughs) movie so
0: yeah that is that is nuts to me man so is he like okay like is he one of your big inspirations well clearly but like definitely
1: um yeah i'd say he's definitely at least from a directing and editing standpoint he's somebody who's all like i'm always kind of thinking about because uh you know he his movies really move really quickly there's almost like no fat to them like he you know he adds them to the bone so because of that they're rarely boring or feel you know just not high-paced but also you know he shoots things like a like a one-man Stanley Kubrick I guess like he's, <laughs> he's very he's he's very clinical and you know he's really great at you know, shooting, but he does it in his own really like unique and like, frankly, cheap, but like, yeah, still a really cool way. And he's somebody who, you know, for the last 15 years or so, you know, when there's a Steven Soderbergh movie, that means he's the camera operator, the editor the director, the producer, sometimes the writer and the DP, so he's doing like six or seven things all for his movies. That's so impressive. Um, he's really got that kind of indie spirit and just kind of that thing of well, if I can pick up a camera and just do it, why you know why wouldn't I? Um, yeah. And I'm sure that allows him to move really fast and really quick and really cheap um, so and you know who that reminds me of and maybe just
0: a tad uh of myself (laughs) absolutely you know what also uh throwback to the last time you were here the safety brothers how do you pronounce it am i
1: saying softy i I still say it both ways yeah it's all
0: fine (laughs) but like i remember you talking about that where it's like they were doing multiple things and obviously one of them is in the movie but like yeah the spinning of many hats is something that like indie filmmakers have to do, but I love that like Steven Soderbergh likes to do that. You know what I mean? Like that's really cool to me. 100%. You can tell he loves the art of it all just as much as probably even more than any sort of recognition he would ever get.
1: Yeah. I mean, he definitely seems like someone who just is having the most fun while creating. That's why, you know, when he was really at his peak of, I don't know if popularity is the right word, but when he was at his peak of making stuff. I mean, the guy would make two, two, three movies a year in a TV show, like in between them. It was wild when he was really like, chugging stuff out. It was actually like crazy. And again, for such like a A list kind of director, more or less. So yeah, yeah, he's a yeah, he's definitely a workhorse. And yeah, somebody that's a big, big, big inspiration for sure. Good deal. Good deal.
0: I want to let you say what you want to about anything honestly you could talk about this movie you can talk about your movie the floor is yours well for
1: schizopolis i guess i'd ask because i'd be interested in one just what you took away from it at all just because i love like i love that question about this movie in particular. and again this is a movie i've subjected to like Twenty five of my friends <laughs> to to wildly different opinions <laughs> um, and interpretations. So uh, just fresh off the off the bat, I'm just wondering what your uh, take on it all is in general.
0: So I was confused. I laughed a lot. I thought it was very funny. It felt like it could have been like a TV show on like on Cartoon Network that would play like late at night. I remember there being a lot of like really sort of off-the-wall crazy things that I didn't understand then. Maybe it was because I was too young or whatever, but, like, that was the energy I was getting from it a lot. And I really am just, like, I want Steven Soderbergh
1: to act more. I really liked him in this. I thought he was really good. Yeah. So, I mean, one other thing I've took directly from Skizopolis as well with my first movie is also about a minute-long shot of my character looking in the mirror, making very funny... Faces. Yeah, and some of them are taken directly from Schizopolis because all i did was show ryan that scene like one or two times and i just said just do this basically <laughs> that's awesome um, so, <laughs> but yeah just another amazing little like silent total three stooges moment for yeah. steven Sutherberg in that in that scene he's hilarious I think that there, there are parts of this
0: movie that I was like, wow, I would have absolutely like never thought of doing something like that. But that's so funny. <laughs> the way he ends the movie where he's at like the mall. Yeah. His little monologue to himself is like so funny to me. <laughs> he's like, till then I wait. <laughs> I did not know what I was going to get when it came to this movie, and I left it with a smile on my face. Like, I was confused, but, like, I enjoyed it. It was not—I did not feel like a waste of however long it is. 90 minutes or something?
1: Yeah, it's not—it's a pretty short one. yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that that shot in particular that you're talking about, I think it took. I think it was like twelve hours or something. He was sitting in that mall.
0: Oh my god! Um, and the
1: and the DP was just moving very slowly and consistently for the twelve hours because they didn't really have like time moving time lapse abilities back then. That is so. genius. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So uh, again, uh, probably. I'd feel guilty asking somebody to do that for free as well. So yeah. I, I get yeah. So I get doing it yourself. <laughs> uh,
0: the chaoticness of that shot felt like any time he was traveling in a car, I was straight up getting like nauseous. I was like, oh okay, I can't look at this directly. I was like getting motion sickness <laughs> sitting at my computer.
1: Yeah, there's definitely a lot of things that also seem like yeah. It may have just been stuff that he saw in editing rooms over the years and just thought like why don't we just like do that in the actual movie though like that car thing is one of those things where it's just like just speed it up to such a degree that it almost looks like war like star wars time or something i'm sure like i'm sure that was literally he was just like scrubbing through a previous movie and just thought like But what if I just... Yeah, exactly. What if I just did this? (laughs) Um, uh, Another one is, like, he shoots so many TVs and other staticky services that have that really weird, like, strobe and, like, refresh rate. I mean, that's something that was pretty infamous in the 90s and and, you know, before that of happening. But the way he uses it, it seems so weirdly intentional and, like... Absolutely. You know, he embraced kind of the... He found the right movie to have this weird-ass effect kind of, you know, become useful for him. Definitely. Um, And it really separates, like, what's on TV and what's real in the movie, um, which is already hard to begin with. So it helps. Um, Oh,
0: yeah. Good point. Yeah. It's super nostalgic, too. Because, like... 100%. Because, like, TVs don't really do that anymore.
1: Yeah. And I get nostalgic for the... uh, the commercial at the very beginning, like about the speech and just the oh, way yeah. it's, the dough, like everything yeah, is yeah, just yeah. like a mo- like a monster truck rally. Uh huh. Yeah, I don't really like see that vibe of commercial so much anymore. So <laughs> very
0: very good. When the guy gets shot and he wants to see the video playback that his wife or whatever filmed, and he's just telling like like oh send them a card. just send them meat just send them i don't know who that is send them meat. that was so fucking funny
1: yeah that's a great moment and i also think there is something about so his first movie he ever made was sexualized and videotape which was a huge hit and then he made like a handful of movies in a row that all didn't do very well either at the box office or critically really so that's why he went back to Baton Rouge to just make this cheap little movie himself as kind of like a, a reset. And I think it's really interesting that there's kind of this subplot that is Sex, Lies, and Videotape, where this woman is filming her affair that later gets played back to this, oh, you yeah. know, this guy. Because I think a lot of Schizopolis in general was him kind of either trying to, you know make sense of, you know, the success of Sex, Lies, and Videotape, or maybe try and get out of the shadow of it a little bit. So I thought it was really interesting and probably, like, a really personal, perhaps even, like, kind of melancholy touch to reference Sex, Lies, and Videotape so, like, openly. Absolutely. You know, and kind of make it, the guy who just got shot is watching it, and he has a really weird reaction to the video, but it, it is obviously a negative reaction. yeah. So it does kind of end with this kind of like, oh, the sexualized videotape thing kind of makes me feel bad. <laughs> so <laughs> I, th- I think that might be a little personal touch from uh, yeah. Steven Soderbergh and why he was making this wild movie to begin with.
0: That's a very good point.
1: But yeah, it didn't super work out. I think. This movie was pretty not loved in its time. I think it premiered at Con to a bunch of walkouts, (laughs) and then that's actually he went back and filmed the introduction and the ending with himself on stage after the Con screening because he thought it kind of needed just some kind of introduction to be like what you are watching is not normal, like kind of already get you into that headspace instead of. But he's like, if you don't understand it, it's your fault. (laughs) Yeah, fault, not ours. and you have to come over and over and over again and not pay matinee prices. <laughs> that so funny.
0: Man. I was like geeking right at the beginning. That was very cool. Super fun way to start a movie for sure, which
1: Definitely. is why I took it. So
0: <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Do you have anything uh, else that you want to say about any of these movies? Okay, well, I will say... I mean, I'm sure you can find it on YouTube or something, but if for some way you get your hands on the DVD of this movie, there's another layer of madness when you watch the director's commentary. Oh, my God. It's Steven Soderbergh as a journalist interviewing Steven Soderbergh film director. (laughs) So he again is doing this weird doppelganger multiple role thing and it's all like this really big piece of like performance art where he's getting mad at himself and yelling about like you know and his interpretation and bad questions and blah 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 and it's just this really wild like it's like its own 90 minute radio play that just happens on top of the movie that's already so wild so yeah, if you want to just go with the insane cut of Schizopolis, that's the uh, that's probably the most completely uh, sensory overload version. Yeah. Um, but also, Steven Soderbergh in general. Back I back in the day, even though I wanted to be a filmmaker, I rarely listened to DVD commentaries. It's something I like more now. I've kind of kind of gone back to them. But back in the day, Steven Soderbergh was always somebody who I listened to all of them, and he used to like just go guest on other people's like commentaries like him and uh mike nichols did one for the graduate and him and john borman did one for like point Blake. and uh really he just he would just guest appear on dvd commentaries and he was like he was hilarious he was like you know it was really informative but also just like really doesn't take himself seriously at all. It's really self-deprecating. We'll just tell you every moment of the movie that he hates. Um, <laughs> but will also be really entertaining, like the Schizopolis thing, obviously. And The Limey, which is another movie of his, the director's commentary, is him and the writer who have worked together like four or five times, but they really disagreed about how The Limey was cut. And it's a really impassioned, like at times awkward, just kind of confrontation between like (laughs) two friends just like really pushing each other's buttons and telling the other one like why they're wrong. (laughs) But it's another it's a really interesting one. So yeah, if you get your hands on any Soderbergh DVD, anybody just uh, pop in the director's commentary. It's usually worth it. It's pretty fun.
0: I love that directors commentaries need to be made more available nowadays because like if you buy a movie on I don't I don't know about I don't buy my movies on iTunes but like if I buy it on Amazon it doesn't come with that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I think like any anything streaming I've ever I mean I'm sure there's some with directors commentaries but it kind of just seems to be a lost uh Yeah, stream.
0: and it's like it's very interesting especially for film geeks who eat that shit up. I mean, I, like, I definitely used to watch the hell out of a ton of director's commentaries, and it really has just been something that's, like, hard to get a hold of now.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's kind of a bummer. Like, Yeah. yeah, It seems like it would be something easy, just like a added little button.
0: Absolutely. Just like, hey, sit down and watch this movie that I know you watched a million times. <laughs> exactly. Watch it one more time, and we're going to record you talking about it. I mean, that is something that... Ooh, that is something that you need to do for Big Milk.
1: Yeah, I mean uh yeah, I have no idea. I mean I guess I could just do it on YouTube probably, but yeah. Uh absolutely. We'll see, at the fig I have to figure something out. But yeah, if I do any kind of actual physical release, that would be awesome. And that would be at the top of the list of things to do, obviously.
0: No matter what, no matter what you do. <laughs> I'll do it I, I want a commentary. I'm gonna do it Schizopolis style where I interview oh, yeah. myself. Please do, please do. Well, Austin, I mean, I always love talking to you. You know you're welcome here absolutely anytime. I don't want to take too much of your time, but you know that you can come back anytime you want to. We can, any movie you want to. But for right now, tell people where they can find you where to look out for big milk remind him about who's with me talk about all the kind of stuff
1: sure um so yeah just obviously thanks a bunch for having me on again i'm sure i'll be back soon and i'll, I'll bring something a little less crazy for jordan um, <laughs> and i'm still gonna yeah. make him watch this i think i definitely he's gonna have to. sorry jordan <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I think people, hopefully, if somebody chooses to watch this movie, yeah, just uh, try to uh, check your mind out the door as much as possible and just uh, <laughs> enjoy like a weird divorced man's like Looney Tunes, basically. So love it. And yeah, and then as far as all of my stuff, um, I guess the main one is Instagram. So it's big underscore milk underscore film. Pretty easy on that one. And then that also has the link to who's with me and all the posts about who's with me still there. Who's With Me is my first film. I released it on YouTube during the pandemic because film festivals weren't really happening at the time. Yeah. And yeah. So, but with Big Milk, uh, like I said, we're submitting it to stuff through January. Um, So there's a chance it might be coming to a city near you. So huh? if, you, if you hear a movie called Big Milk, the instinct is to ignore a movie called Big Milk. But try <laughs> to ignore that and actually give it a shot because it, it's pretty funny. <laughs>
0: I want to know just how big this milk is. It goes all the way to the top. That's all I can say. Oh my gosh. <laughs>